What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob Morris. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast, episode 50, segment 2. Alright, so I'm probably going to switch to a different format as far as the next episodes um, for now on because I just have to like try to condense every episode and try to make it into one episode instead of just having two because I'm having an issue getting, you know, one episode in one. I mean, one episode can go an hour, which I don't mind going an hour, but it's hard to put in two plus two plus three hours worth of content in one episode through like two or three segments. Uh, so I'm going to have to try my best to condense it into one episode and then try be, try to maybe record a little bit more frequently than what I do. Usually I might go two or three weeks uh, each episode, but I'm going to probably try to condense it into one episode. I know easier said than done because it's so much content as far as like high school and college in this area, which I try to focus mainly on the New England, New England area, but sometimes I do like to talk about the Celtics and that can go on. That could be one episode all by itself. Sometimes, sometimes I can go maybe a half an hour just talking about the Celtics, but I'm going to have to do my best to condense it into probably maybe one hour to maybe hour and a half episode of including everything with high school, college and NBA far as the Celtics go so that'll be the new format from now on so that way you're not waiting on two segments or waiting on a segment which I think that's very unprofessional that I've been doing that of late so I'm gonna cut that habit out and just pretty much condense it into one episode because I just don't really have time to keep going back and forth to do different episodes I mean different segments do one episode because it, it is it is time consuming just to prepare for the episode, which I was preparing pretty much all afternoon just to do just to do do this recording. I probably maybe spent just two to three hours just writing a plan on what I was gonna do to record tonight. So to keep it a little bit simple, it'll be a lot easier once things slow down. Uh, high school basketball is wrapping up. The playoffs are hap- wrapping up. There's only about two states that are still going on right now, Connecticut and Massachusetts, but pretty much all the states are wrapping up. So, yeah, so we're going to start with that. I know that uh, everyone's geared up for the NCAA tournament, but I will definitely get on to that in the latter half of the show as far as, like, a local perspective on what's going on with, with, you know, teams like Vermont, Yale, What's what's the other team that made it? Yale, Vermont, Providence, and UConn. As far as the big dogs, they made it, and we'll 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 pretty much you know preview those games that will be happening in the upcoming days, and then we'll get my predictions and stuff. We'll see what's going to happen. So that should be about four or five teams that I'll cover. As far as that and. And yeah, we're going to pretty much get started with reviewing, you know, the high school basketball playoffs. We're going to get started with 
with Maine. We'll get started with Maine, but if any of you guys missed it, as far as New Hampshire, New Hampshire was able to wrap things up. I believe it was like, I think I did in the last podcast, if anyone hasn't heard it, uh, Trinity, Trinity High School was able to win uh, Division One state champions. Um, they they were able to beat Golfstown, New Hampshire, Golfstown High School for that championship. So congratulations to Trinity. I know they're one of the programs that are kind of up and coming because I haven't really focused on them the last time I covered them which was two years ago but um, I didn't hear anything about Trinity as far as like being a power in D1 so they definitely have excelled they kind of remind me of Beverly in Massachusetts how they kind of excelled from D, D2 to D1 I guess they might have been in a lower division because I wasn't able to they really weren't on the radar and I don't really go deep into New Hampshire as far as like Division 2 and Division 3 I mainly just covered Division 1 it's just not a the, the the competition just is not high enough for me to cover D two and D three. But far as Division one, Trinity was able to get the victory and wrap up the states state championships. So once again, congrats to them. So now we're gonna move on to Maine. Let's start with Class A. Review Maine and see how that happened. Nokomis. They were able to win the Class A title. Um, to review, they were able to beat they beat Brewer in the semifinal, the regional final. They beat Brewer sixty to fifty eight. And the game previous from that in the quarterfinals, they beat Coney fifty one to thirty five. So definitely um, a strong showing defensively in those two games, not allowing those two opponents to, to get 60 points. And if you look at uh, if you look at uh, the last game, which was the state championship game, um, where they kind of went to the there's one side of the bracket and then you have um, they won their other side, which they obviously they beat Brewer on the other side of the bracket. This North and South, they were able to beat the South. The other side of the bracket's the North, which Falmouth was the champions of that side of the bracket. They won the, the Class A North. And this state championship for that, they won 43 to 27. I mean, this, I mean, that is. Old school, defensive-minded basketball right there. Or either just guys are just not making their shots. Either one. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a score like that, like, in forever. But, uh, yeah, 43-27 to 27 was the final score. Cooper Flagg had a nice game. He had 22 points, 16 rebounds. The Flagg brothers have been complete... Um, They've been a complete great story all around as like just being freshmen on a varsity team is really, really hard to do. And they were able to really be a big part of that team. One of the best teams in the country all year long. Nakoma's had a very strong record all year long. I think they've only won two, lost two or three games. I mean, their record was ridiculously strong. 
And then just taking a look at the rankings. Yeah, so they only lost one game, 25-1. and one. Just a very strong record. And I was able to make a ranking, if anyone hasn't seen it, I was able to make a ranking as far as a final ranking in March for Maine. So we're going to look that up real quick. Just so you guys have an idea of who really were the best teams all around. This is the pretty much the final standings. I'm probably going to make a, at the end of the month, where all the playoffs are complete, I'll make a final ranking. But this one was pretty, pretty close. Pretty close to what you can get. Hold on. Anyways, I'm having an issue bringing up the site today. So, I won't be able to see that. But, I will definitely get you those rankings as soon as possible. But uh, right now, I'm not able to get those rankings. Or probably the next episode, I will get those rankings for you. But, uh, yeah. So... So yeah, to wrap things up with with Class A, Nokomis was able to win forty three to twenty seven under the the great game by Cooper Flag. Now to look at Class Double A, you have South Portland. They were they were able to win Class Double A, and they pretty much dominated all around in the um. Regional final, they won 56-39. to 39. Again, the defense has obviously been the calling card for this team all year long, and they showed it again in that game. Then in the semis, the regional semis, they beat uh, Oxford Hills. Once again, another defensive score, 50-44. In that game, J.P. Estrella had a 19 points, which we all know that he's getting a lot of D1 attention. He's he's a junior right now and I I've mentioned him a bunch of times as he's probably if you look at if he's possibly going to be a like a state an all-state guy or Mr. Basketball, he definitely is in contention for that. But you know, as far as like Mr. Basketball goes, they usually will look at pretty much everyone from anywhere from NIMSAC to the NIMSAC as far as like the private schools and, and the and the public schools. So you got guys like Cooper Flagg that could be a candidate for that as well. Cooper Flagg and J.P. Estrella has had a strong season. And there's other guys in the NIMSAC, which I will like, once again, I will in the next part, I probably will kind of, Review some of the Nipsack players that have had a strong year. And I'll make my own Rims and Nets all state for all the Division One, And I'll make an all New England team to kind of give people an idea of how good these players were and how they rank far as like the best, you know, best of the best, far as the region and far as states. So 
I'm pretty sure those all state teams will come out pretty soon and I'll have an assessment on that and then I'll have my own assessment to see who I thought because believe me, I, I watched a ton of film just, you know, preparing for these podcasts every week or or every couple weeks. I've been able to watch a ton of, ton of film on these players and all these teams and I have, a, I have strong assessments on what, who, what players have been good? What are the best teams? I have, I'll probably will have all New England top ten as well, and I'll put that on the website. But again, if you if any of you guys are visiting the website, there is some technical issues with it, so you won't be able to see it. Um, uh, I will try to get it rectified as soon as I can. But this right now, there is definitely some technical issues with it, so I will get it rectified as soon as I can. But as of right now, it is the site has been down. But um, but uh, to circle back, yeah, South Portland has dominated and they they won the class double A. I made a Twitter. If any of you guys haven't uh, seen my Twitter, I'm on Twitter. So obviously, search Rims and Nets. You should find me on there. You know, give me a follow back. Same thing. I'm on Facebook. Give me a follow back on uh, add on add me on Facebook. Uh, like the page. I have a, a Facebook page. So you can like it. Um, I'm trying to get on a lot of social media. I'm trying to um, be a little bit more active on there. Sometimes I can be stagnant on being on the social media pages. Usually I only just use it just to post content. But on Twitter, you'll find me anywhere from posting like... Well, it's going to be local. Obviously, I'll post about the local teams and... What, you know, any funny, funny things that are going on as well. Any funny tweets, I'll, re- I'll retweet or anything that's locally, I'll retweet. So if anyone has a Twitter, don't hesitate to, to add me or follow back. So I can grow the channel and eventually grow the, the whole platform in itself. So definitely, uh. Reach out if you want to send any messages as far as like, you know, maybe you want to be a guest on the show or either just any ideas for future podcasts. You can always hit up my email, content at yahoo.com, R-I-M-S-N-E-T-S dot content dot com. But again, this to pretty much review main Nokomis wins Class A, South Portland wins Class AA. So we're going to move on to Rhode Island. So with Rhode Island, Rhode Island, the way their tournament goes, they pretty much do a Division One or a Division Two. I don't think they have Division Three, but as far as I know, they have Division One and Division Two, and they usually have that tournament first, and then they have. An all-state tournament with that's pretty much combines Division One and Division Two, and they pretty much re-rank the teams, reseed the teams, and they have a all like they have sixteen teams, eight teams in Division One, eight teams in Division Two, and they pretty much go against each other in a um a do or die bracket style tournament. So I do have the results for D one. The classical, classical uh, high school, they were able to win D1. 
They won the Division One championship against LaSalle. And if you look at that, I'm just going to do that real quick. Hold on. Just a sec, guys. I'm just trying to get this up. I'm just trying to get the rankings up as far as Rhode Island goes. Get an idea of what's going on with them. If any of you guys are hearing on the background, I am watching the first four of the NCAA tournament. But yeah, as far as like the Division One championship, um, LaSalle and Classical faced off in that championship game, and Classical won pretty handily, seventy-seven to fifty-six. And LaSalle was the number one seed, so that was a nice. Um, I wouldn't call it an, an episode, uh, an upset, because Classical was the number one, number two seed, and they have had a strong year. Look at their record. They they finished the season twenty five and three, and that's including the uh, the state championships, which they will, which we'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, Shay, I do have the results for Division Two. Shay won the Division Two against Burryville. which I think it's a huge. Difference between Division One and Division Two because I looked at some of the teams. Yeah, Shea's a good team, and I have them rated in my top ten, which obviously I don't have access to. But Shea had a strong year, I must say. They were pretty good in the semis. They beat Rogers. Burryville was their opponent. Burryville won 57-47 against Wheeler. And then in the championship, it was a close one, 39-38. So it's a huge difference between D1 and D2, I think. Looking at the teams and the far as the size of the players. Got some real athletes on Classical. Got some pretty good players on LaSalle Academy as well. And Hendry, and uh, Bristop Hendrickson is not a bad team as well. So, as we all know, if any of you have been following what's going on with that. But yeah, let's, as far as like, let's take a look at the quarterfinals of the states. LaSalle beat Narragansett, 68-53. Smithfield beat... Cumberland, 53-46. Bishop Hendrickson, which, believe me, I felt like they've completely been on a different level 
in this tournament compared to the, to the to Division One, they were ready to play in a lot of these games. They won eighty-one to fifty-five against Central, the eleven seed Central high school team, and then uh, Classical beat Mount Pleasant as they were the number two seed, seventy-three to fifty-one. And then you have your semis, semifinals. You know, LaSalle Academy beating Smithfield 63-59. And then you have Bishop Hendrickson. Oh, this is, hold on. I'm not even looking at the right thing. Sorry, guys. So LaSalle, yeah, like, I don't know why it said that. That's crazy how, like, they played Narragansett twice in both tournaments. But, yeah, as far as the semifinals go, yeah, Westerly, they won their quarterfinals. LaSalle, they won their quarterfinals. They end up facing each other in the Elite Eight in Rhode Island College against Westerly. Yeah, Bishop Hendrickson, they moved on. They were the fourth seed against East Providence and East Providence High School. 61 to 51. Smithfield, they moved on. They won 53 to 50 against Wheeler. Then you have Rogers. They won 61 to 55 against Pagnasat. And then Shea, they moved on against uh, Correjo. 67 to 53. Rogers and Shea faced. Oh, and then, okay, another one. Other two matchups. Mount Holt loses to Tolman. 67 to 56. And then Burryville loses to Classical. So Classical moved on against Tol to face off against Tolman. Rogers faced off against Shea. Bishop Hendrickson faced off against Smithfield. And LaSalle faced off against Westerly. LaSalle ended up beating their um, semis. Well, I mean, this is really the quarterfinals, really. 84 to 52. To 42, sorry. And then Bishop Hendrickson beat Smithfield 50 to 40. So LaSalle and Bishop Hendrickson played in the semifinals or the final four. Rogers and on the other side of bracket, you have Rogers and Shea. Rogers won 51 to 49, and then Classical beat Tolman 63 to 46. So that's on the other side of the bracket, as far as like the final four goes. As far as the results for that, Classical ended up beating Rogers 79 to 58. LaSalle Academy. Lost to Bishop Hendrickson in the three-point game, sixty-nine to sixty-six. So in the so in the overall Rhode Island State Championships against both Division One and Division Two teams, you have the championship game became number two classical, and then on the fourth seed Bishop Hendrickson. Bishop Hendrickson won seventy-one to sixty-eight to wrap that up. So, definitely a, a huge, huge game. If you look at, look at how the results of that, David Lynch was a big factor in the game, had a game-tying shot to force overtime. Because Classical was... Classical was really good as far as, like, just, you know, their two studs. You got Everson St. Franck, and then you have Marcus Buchanan, which he's 
pretty much going to be committed to uh, URI in football. So they got good athletes, classical. And then you have, you know, Bitcher Hendrickson. They have um, Azmir Adullah. They have David Lynch. And they have um, Izzy Wally. And both, all three of those guys were huge in, in a lot of these games during the playoff run. Especially David Lynch. And just, yeah, just huge, huge in regulation and huge in overtime to get the win. And again, once, once again, the final score was 71 to 68 as Bishop Hendrigan won the, the Rhode Island State Championship. They're the best team in Rhode Island and they're pretty much, I've had a powerhouse program for, for this past couple years is this is their third straight state championship. So again, congratulations to Bishop Hendrickson as they continue their strong success and they and if you look at their roster look at their roster. You got guys that are coming back. Cameron Chin is coming back. He had a nice game in the in the last game as well. As a Wally's coming back, David Lynch will probably be going to college. Asmir Adul is also coming back. So they got some young guys coming back. Asmir Adula, we all know how, how good of a season he had. Isaiah Wally had a good season. And Cameron Chin. Both of those all three of those guys are expected to lead next year's team and really be expected to win. They're gonna be expected to come back here next year. So again, this program has definitely been very successful. It's always good when you can have returning players coming back. Oh, this is going to be a. I'm watching the um, first four. This is a very good first four game. You have Indiana Hoosiers in the Big Ten, and then you have Wyoming Cowboys. As we all know, those two teams have had pretty strong years, especially Wyoming. The Mount West had a very good year, as far as like. You know, college basketball goes. But, but circle back to high school. Yeah, I, I really do like Bishop Hendrickson's chances of, of going all the way next year. As they're really returning a lot of good talent coming back. And he's a good-sized kid. You got Cameron Chen, he's 6'3". He's going to be a senior next year. Isaiah Wally's 6'1". He's going to be a senior next year. And then you have um, Iz, Izmir Abdullah. He's he's six two, one seventy. So they got a lot of good, nice sized kids coming back and expecting them to be good. I think classical, as far as classical goes, they're losing Buchanan to graduation. So that's gonna hurt them a bit. Um, as far as Everson Saint Franc, I don't know what year he is. Look that up right now. I was in St. Franc as a junior, so he'll be back. Isaiah Harrison will be back. So, I mean, they Costco might have a decent team coming back, too, but they do have a lot of seniors on this roster, so they might have to lose. They might have to get some more death, but they do have two, two of their three best players coming back, and uh, Everson Franc and Isaiah Harrison. Isaiah Harrison will be a junior next year as he's a sophomore this year. Everson St. Franc will be a senior next year. So, they do have a few players coming back, but most of their depth will be definitely compromised as a lot of those guys are upperclassmen. 
But huge win for Bishop Hendrickson as they're going to have a very experienced team coming back next year as they're going to be probably expected to come back again this year. But let's take a look at the... um. far as like LaZalle Academy I think they have more probably the more experienced team LaSalle Academy they've only lost three games this year Dimitri Lafonte will not be back he's a senior Rafa, yeah Rafi Awa won't be back as well so they're gonna they're gonna have some struggles they're gonna have some struggles for sure you never know with them. They do have a pretty large roster that I'm looking at in one of my sources. But, yeah, I would say expect Bishop Hendrickson to really come back next year. So let's switch gears onto Vermont and see how that wrapped up as far as their, their state playoffs. And let's start with the bracket for Vermont. Let's bring it up. Let's start with the the semifinals, which we had a huge surprise with that. Number one seed St. Johnsboro end up losing to. A fourth seed Rutland team, and Rutland was had a good season. They were eighteen and five coming into that game. You look at their record right now, as far as like the end of their season, they they finished the year eighteen and six, obviously, but coming into the game, they were eighteen and five, which just tells you that you know they're eighteen and six that they did end up losing, but they won eighteen of. Uh, they they beat St. Johnsboro 44-36. to 36. Again, another low-scoring affair. Um, St. Johnsboro is not known for their offense. They're known for their defense. They're a very elite defensive team as far as you know, pretty much anyone in the entire state. I think they're one of the better defensive teams in the state. But they're not known for their offense. They're, they're not really a, a, a high-scoring team, and they really play slow. But uh, Rutland, they got a good effort from Luke Dalbauinko. He had 12 points. You know, playing against a very good big man in, in Fritz Hauser from St. Johnsboro. Eli Pocket played well, and then off, and also Coughlin both had eight points. Trey Levine also had eight points. Those are pretty much their guards and. In their wing players, which pretty much those are the top, they're Rutland's top players. As they all three of them had pretty strong years this year. Luke Del Brinko is one of their big men, which he did a good job of, of battling Fritz Hauser inside, as that was the difference in the game. Fritz Hauser wasn't able to really have his way at protecting the rim as he normally does, as they were able to get going offensively enough 
to win the game and put up 44 points against them. Still not a lot of points, but they're off, their defense was good as well as they kept them under 40 to, to be able to win handily a point by, by a point lead. Um, but, uh, so far as that goes, that was a, a very much a surprise to say the least. And then on the opposite side of the bracket, you had CBU, Champlain Valley Union, and then you have Rice Memorial. Rice Memorial ended up beating them pretty handily, 54-33. The top players, Mo Canal, he, he had a strong showing, had five blocks. And then Sharif Sharif, one of the better players in the state, had 20 points. As Rice pretty much rolled 54 to 33 in that one. Rice coming into the game improved to 21 and 4 as they head into the championship game against Rutland. So this pretty much happened around March 10th, which was last week. And the results for that, Rice was able to get the championship as they've been pretty much been dominant the past they're, they're, they're almost like um, Bishop Hendrickson just been dominating of late as I believe this is their they've had as many as they won last year so this is this is they won last year so this is a pretty much a repeat showing for them and last year there was only like maybe like only eight teams in, in the in the in the bracket. Or actually, I think there was like only four teams in the bracket last year. They kind of had a condensed playoff uh, bracket last year because of COVID. But Rice they rolled again that year as well, and they rolled again, beating a, t a tough Rutland team that can play very good defense and really have a, a tough-minded squad as they just weren't just weren't able to get it done against a very good Rice team, which we all know Sharif Sharif can play well. And they, they listen, Rutland did a good job of defending him, not letting him get off like that because they were able to trap him, really, really make things difficult for him in the first half as he started the, the game 0-10. So they had to like you they had to utilize their other players and it helped because the coach which they were saying that he has been like I said they, he's been successful has not like I was trying to figure out what, how many championships they had it was on the tip of my tongue but they have they've had nine championships through that same coach uh coach uh Picure. Nine championships. That is impressive, man. That, I mean, that they're, pr they're pretty much a powerhouse in Vermont. That's for sure. So, I mean, even though they had a, had a tough going at it early on, they were able to come back through their role players. And Mo Cannell has been a, a, been a force inside for them defensively. And they've been able to, like, get, get a lot of production from uh, th their others. As Sharif has had a strong year, believe me, I think he deserves Mr. Basketball for sure. 
or at least be in the contention of Mr. Basketball because it's been impressive because you, you lose Michelle uh, Michelle not, not a, ugh, man his, his name is very tough to say he's right now playing for the Vermont Catamounts he played for Rice last year he was the Mr. Basketball for Rice last year so looks like Sharif Sharif is falling into his footsteps as again another state championship for them and if we look at their roster they definitely have some young guys Sharif Sharif's only junior so he'll be back next year Mo Cannell should be back next year I think the only guy they might lose is Heath Walker I think he, Heath Walker is a senior, so he might be leaving next year to probably play, you know, some college. But man, you gotta you gotta love uh, Vermont. They did, definitely took care of business. Excuse me, not Vermont, but uh, Rice Memorial. They definitely took care of business in Vermont with a strong defensive showing. And even though it was tough for them offensively, they still found a way to win it and, f- and found a way to get the get their jo- get the job done so that was a strong showing all right so far as like the other two states to wrap things up you have Connecticut and Massachusetts as far as like you know high school basketball Connecticut has just been It's just been one of the most competitive, like, states, I would say. It might be the most competitive. Because you'll find out just just how respected they are nationally now. I mean, you have one team, which is undefeated right now, that's playing in the Division Two, by the way, that's ranked 46 nationally. So, which I'm talking about is Bristol Central, um, where... Pretty much where Donovan Klingigan plays at. They're ranked 46 nationally, according to Max Preps. So, just, um, just going to be a very competitive playoff run. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But let's start with Class 1, which is Division 1. Which will bring up the bracket for that so yeah we'll start with class one or pretty much division one whatever you want to call it Let's start with the second round. Start out with an upset. Wilbur Cross ended up beating Nagartuck. And this happened on 310, March, March, March 10th. They beat Nagartuck, which was the number one seed overall in the tournament. They won 58 to 50. And Wilbur Cross was the 16th seed. Just, just, just tells you how competitive Connecticut really is, man. That's the, that's the 16th seed in the entire Tournament and they beat Niagara Tuck the number one seed. That's crazy. Next game, you have East Catholic versus Farmington. East Catholic was able to win. 
Coach Joey Riley gets another. Uh, Coach Luke Riley, sorry. I'm thinking of his son, Joey Riley. Luke Riley, the coach. And East Catholic was able to get another big win. 57-46. They might be one of the better defensive teams in the entire state. They really move their feet. They really get a lot of deflections, and they really are active on the defensive end. As that Farmington team is a pretty good team that they were able to shut down and only allow 46 points. So, yeah, they win that 57-46 to 46 handily. The fourth seed, Fairfit Prep. They won 66-40 to 40 against West Haven. Number five against the number 21 seed Hampton uh, Northwich Free Academy, 189-49. Number two seed Notre Dame West Haven beat the 15th seed Danbury, 83-53 handily. Notre Dame West Haven is a scary team. That they're going to be, they're, gonna, they're so young, they have a bunch of guys coming back for next year. They're, they'll be right here in this position next year. As I was looking at their roster, they, they look really impressive as far as like the talent level that they have this year. And then also next year, they're going to be really good next year. As one of their better players is only a sophomore, Tajir, Tajir Jones. All right, for the number seven and number 10, Fairfield Bardet loses to Notre Dame Fairhaven, 76-52. The number three seed, Ridgefield, beats the 14th seed, Hilt. Hill House 64 to 42. And then to end the bracket, number six, number six Windsor beats Manchester 102 to 67. Sorry about that, got a text message. So now for the next round, which are pretty much the quarterfinals, you have Windsor versus East Catholic. East Catholic was able to come out victorious, seventy-three to sixty-three. I mean, as far as like the best players with East Catholic, which they pretty much have been under the radar most of the year, as if you look at their seed, they're only an eight seed. So it's just amazing that Coach Riley continues to have his guys playing at a high level when it matters. They play their best basketball at this time of year pretty much every year as they're pretty much one of the better powerhouses in the entire state. Uh, so, yeah, a huge win. And, of course, he has two sons on the team. He has Sam Riley and he has um, Luke Riley. Luke Riley Jr. And then you have uh, James Jones, which is pretty much their best player. He pretty much plays three spot for them, and it's been it's been a success for them of late, as they really have made a huge run so far in the in this this tournament. As they move it moved on to to pretty much playing that final four or the semifinal round. The next game, you have number four, Fairfield Prep against 
Uh, the five seed North Northwood Free Academy, Fairfield Prep, one fifty-seven to fifty-five. Look at Fairfield Prep's best players. So I had the. Pretty much have their best players right here. Thomas Scholl is one of their best players. Max Mangels is also a top player for Fairfield Prep. As they had a tough one against Northridge Free Academy. Because Northridge Free, Free Academy is got a bunch of players that are pretty good. Antoine Williams. You have um, Cannon. You have um, Foster. Javon Foster. So... That's a big win for Fairfield Prep. I didn't think they would win that game. I thought Northridge Free Academy would have won that. So, huge win for them. Now, in the next game, you have top-seeded top Notre Dame West Haven, which I don't know why they get in the number two seed. I know Niagara Tuck was undefeated, but Notre Dame West Haven's been good all season long. It's just kind of crazy that they were number two seed in this, in this bracket. But yet... They won handily against Notre Dame Fairfield, seventy-seven to forty-seven, as they move on to the semifinals. And then you have, as far as the last game, you have Bridgefield against Winster. Winster was able to win in a close one, nail biter, sixty-two to fifty-eight. And then you have a, a, a huge game. We have on that side of the bracket, you have Notre Dame West Haven against uh, number six Winster. So again, Winster. And East Catholic, those teams are familiar teams at this time of year, playing their best basketball at the right time. And I think that they have the two best coaches as well. Ken Smith uh, leads a Windsor, and then you have Luke Riley on East Catholic on the other side of the bracket. I think, I don't know if Windsor is going to really get through a very um, elite, Talented North Notre Dame West Haven team. They're only, Notre Dame West Haven's only won one game, lost one game this year, and that's the Northwest Catholic. So I don't really see Winsler winning that game. But the way Winsler matches up, if you look at the size of Winsler and in Notre Dame West Haven, you got uh, Winsler's two best biggest players. You got Richard Tibby. You got Tyler Betsy. You got another guy, Antoine Williams. Is he's six five? Prince Samuel's one of the more experienced players. Both of these teams are very young coming into this game. So you look at Winsler; they they're not supposed to be at this spot. <laughs> They've gotten better as the season has gone on. They've only lost three games on the year, but they've only they were ranked only six seeds a solid seed. So I'm not gonna say it's like a a weak seed, but for them, normally they're usually a top tier team every year but man they're, they're good as far as their size goes and then you have Northern West Haven 
I mentioned early on the show Tajay Jones. He's 6'7 as a sophomore. Then they have uh, Nicholas Perschel. He's 6'7. They have Ayo Minu. He's 6'4. Tamer Gray. He's more of a guard. He's 6'4. Uh, Makai Connor, which he's a guard. He's 6 feet. Matthew Doobie, one of the more experienced players. He's 6'3. So both teams got very good size. They got bigger guys that are playing point guard or six feet, six foot foot guys that are playing point guard for them or even on the, in the guard position, six feet above. So these two teams, whoever probably wins this game, I think they'll probably win. They'll probably, oh, they'll probably win the States because it's just those two teams are extremely talented. No offense to East Catholic and Fairfield Prep. I just think those two teams are by far the most athletic, by far the most have the most high level talent on their squads. But don't don't sleep on East Catholic. I think East Catholic might end up beating Fairfield Prep, which these games are pretty much going to be on. Pretty much will be on tomorrow, uh, 7 p.m. for both of the games. And I just think. I just think East Catholic, if I had to make a prediction, I have East Catholic beating Fairfield Prep, which Fairfield Prep is a good team, but I think East Catholic's defense will definitely win out in that one. And then Notre Dame West Haven will be, end up beating Windsor because Notre Dame West Haven is just too talented. They're young, but they're very, very talented. So I have them easily, I went to easily, it will be a close game. They'll probably it'll probably be a high scoring affair somewhere in the seventies or eighties, but I think Notre Dame West Haven will end up winning that game against Windsor. And then we'll have East Catholic against Win uh East Catholic against Notre Dame West Haven for the championship as far as division one goes. That should be fun. And then you have Division Two pretty much the um the division that Bristol Central's in. Let's take a look at that bracket. Well, let's start. You know, Bristol Central got the number one seed. We'll take a look at the top five seeds. Do you guys have an idea who seeded who? Number one seed is Bristol Central. Number two seed is Northwest Catholic. Number three seed is Connor. The number fourth seed is Wilton. The number five seed is Holy Cross. Number six seed is Prince Tech. Number seven seed is Crosby. Number eight seed is Waterfield. Number nine seed is Staples. And we'll end it with number 10. With, with number 10 is Stratford. All the other seeds are kind of... This is not that important because they're not going to go that far. <laughs> Especially, I feel like these higher end seeded teams are just too dominant to really kind of lose. I mean, it was obviously a surprise to see Niagara Tuck uh, lose to Wilbur Cross, but I think Division One is more con competitive than Division Two. I think there's more of a more higher end teams and more of a more of a higher, uh, how can I describe it? It's more of a leap as far as like those 
it's more of a step up as far as those top five or six teams, or even top five. I would say the top five teams are just so much higher than you know the bottom half of of Division Two. So let's start with the first game. Yeah, Bristol Central facing off against 60 seed Armistead. They easily won that 65 to 38. Pretty sure Klingigan probably had a gazillion blocks in that one. Uh, number eight versus number nine, Waterfield versus Staples. In OT, Waterfield 151 to 48. Number four seed Wilton beats uh, 13 seed Newtown 57 to 49. Number five seed St. Joseph's beats. I mean, number five seed Holy Cross beats Saint, uh, 12 seed St. Joseph's 69 to 58. The number two seed Northwest Catholic beats Greenwich, the 18th seed, 72 to 45. Crosby, the number seven seed, beats Stanford, the 23 seed, 62 to 57. The number three seed, Connor, led by Riley Fox, won, uh, won 70 to 61 against 14 seed West Hill. And then uh, the six seed, Prince Tech. Loses to Middletown, 71-52. to 52. Let's move on to the quarterfinals. Alright, so number one seed, Waterford. I mean, Bristol Central. Bases off against eight seed, Waterford. Uh, Bristol Central won that easily, 70 to 48. You have Wilton facing off against the five C Holy Cross. Wilton won 63 to 62. Northwest Catholic, the number two C face off against seven C Crosby. They put up 101 points against them. Just total domination right there. Then you have Connor against um, Northwest Catholic, and we just. Found, we just found out the score, a live score here, as Northwest Catholic beat Connor in that semifinal game. Because we just we just read off the quarterfinals. A semifinal game was today. Northwest Catholic ended up winning, uh, beating Connor sixty-two to thirty-five. They move on to the state championship. And Bristol Central in overtime beat Wilton. 54 to 52. What an effort by Wilton. That's the top school, 46 nationally, 46 in the country, 46 ranked team in the country. They almost beat them. It took overtime for Bristol Central to win that, but they ended up winning it 54 to 52. As those are two live scores, you know, everyone. Two live scores, and it's going to be the championship. Number one seed Bristol Central versus number two seed Northwest Catholic. Bristol Central has not lost a game all year long. Northwest Catholic is only has won has pretty much lost only one game this year. And one of those wins this year has been against North uh Notre Dame West Haven. So man, this this is gonna be a huge matchup. We don't know the time yet, but we all know it's going to be in Mohegan Sun Arena. Uh, so 
it should be a huge crowd for that one. As I'm pretty sure Bristol Center is going to bring a lot of fans. I'm pretty sure Northwest Catholic is going to bring a lot of fans, and that can that arena can sit a good you know ten to fifteen thousand fans in it. So that should be, it should be expected to be a pretty large crowd for that one. I can't wait to see that. Um, obviously, in the next pod, we will pretty much give you the results for that. So once again, number one, Bristol Central. At 23-0, we'll face number two, Northwest Catholic, at 22-1. At the Mohegan Scene Arena, all I know is that it's going to be on either March 19th or March 20th, which that's pretty much this weekend. It should be, hold on. Let's take a look at the calendar to make it. Yeah, it's going to either be on Saturday or Sunday. Hopefully it would be Saturday. It would be a good day to have it. Definitely have a huge turnout if that's the case. If it's on Saturday or even Sunday, it doesn't really matter. I just think those two schools definitely have a um, a huge following as far as like, and I just think it's gonna be a big game. You know, gonna have people there already that, that you know that are gonna be gambling and stuff, and then you have. All the all the parents and pretty much the alumni of the schools. And that would be a big one. That'll be a big that'll be a big showdown there, man. But we'll still be waiting on Division One with their results tomorrow. But yeah, pretty much have the results pretty much wrapped up in Division Two. As Bristol Central will be facing off against Northwest Catholic, and we'll have the results of that in the next pod. That should be fun. All right, so far as the wrap-up high school, which we're pretty much on to an hour. We're pretty much on to an hour right now, so. Uh, this is what I'm saying. I, it's tough to condense it, man. But this is what this is the, this is is the what I'm going to have to do as uh, far as the next pod. Condense it into an hour. I would say maybe an hour and a half would be good. I don't really think I might go on that long for ours, like, you know. Looking at at far as like the the previews for the um for the NCAA tournament, but I'm just checking the score out for this Indiana Wyoming game. They're tied at thirteen. But yeah, so let's move on. Let's move on to wrap high school basketball up. We have Massachusetts round of 16, which, um, yeah, I just think it's been pretty competitive. Besides BC High just dominating everyone at this point. (laughs) All right, so start out BC High, the number one team in the state. Um, they easily beat a team that has only lost two or three games this year, one of the better teams out west, the North High School. Um, t- I believe they're the Tigers, I think, or Bears. I think they're the Polar Bears. North North High School Polar Bears of Worcester. They beat them 76-48. to 48. Huge game for Mike Longney. Huge game for Greg Cooper. As they, they blow out North... High school. Just dominant. They've been dominant all season long. And I'm just going to pull up the bracket for that. Because I was reading the quarterfinals for that. 
and just bring up the well, round of 16 actually so the sweet 16 Massachusetts has a huge bracket it's called the MIA MI MI double high school bracket or high school tournament hold on Give me a sec, guys. I don't know why they changed it because I had I literally had the bracket saved for Massachusetts and I don't know what's going on with the website they just completely changed it on me I'm trying to bring it up right now because I did have it saved I had Connecticut already saved on on my hard drive but I'm trying to figure out where I put the Massachusetts bracket because it's a huge bracket and I had to literally find it and it was hard to find. So just bear with me, guys. Just bear with me, guys. And I don't know what this is, bro. But this is not what I was looking at. This was definitely not what I was looking at. Oh, boy. Sorry, guys. I'm going to have to do it a little differently than what I thought I could do. Okay, we found it. Beautiful. We found it. I don't know why it was taking me like into a different bracket. It was I felt like it was a complete different division. Like I don't know what it was, but um like I said, yeah, so BC High was able to beat the Polar Bears of North High School, 76-48. They moved on to the Elite Eight. As um, If you look at the next game in the semifinals, you had Central Catholic. They were able to beat Beverly, 82-75, to which Beverly's had a strong year. We all know that they've been very good up north. You know, Lynn English had a, a down year, and Beverly kind of just took over the rings as the top-tier team up north from the North Shore. Central Catholic was able to beat them. No, Central Catholic, you consider them somewhat of a North Shore team as well. They're pretty much, um, I believe they're in Andover. I believe that's where they're located, private school in Andover. So they were able to beat Beverly, 82-75. to 75. So they're going to face off against BC High for the, the Elite Eight. 
Now we go down to the bottom half of the bracket. You have Springfield Central. They were able to easily beat Brookline, 93 to 54. As this Springfield Central team has been completely under the radar, but they, I know that they've been good this year. They've been having a sh- strong season all around. And they played against some pretty tough competition. They played in the um. They played in the um the Hall of Fame game in January. They played um two Connecticut teams, I believe. Or, or they they definitely have been tested. They played Bristol Central, by the way. They lost to Bristol Central. That was one of their few losses this season. They've only lost a handful of games this year. That's why they had such a strong ranking. They, they were ranked fourth in this bracket. And just so you know, as far as like the ranking goes, BC High was number one. Newton North was number two. Andover was number three. Springfield Central was number four. And Franklin was number five. Taunton was also number six. But that's as far as I can go with that. Um, yeah, so Springfield Central easily beat Brookline. Brookline's a very good team. They have very good size. They lost to Brookline. I mean, Springfield Central beat Brookline. And then you had the bottom half, the bottom, the last game of that bottom half of the bracket. You have CM, Central uh, uh, Catholic Memorial. They beat Franklin 81-73. to So in the round of eight, you're going to have uh, Central of Springfield facing off against Central. Ugh, I don't know why I keep saying Central Catholic Memorial of that other other half of the bracket of the round of, of eight. Now, as far as like Newton Newton North, they were able to pl- they played Wetsford Academy, which is a team out west. They beat them forty four to forty three. When I say out west, I mean Western Mass. I know, you know, people that are not familiar. I know there's a lot of people that tune into my pod that are out of state or even out, out of the country that really don't know any type of, you know, abbreviations I'm going to make. When I say out west or north shore, north shore is the north part of Massachusetts. South shore is the south part of Massachusetts. West, uh, western, the west part of western mass is pretty much going to be western mass. Even though it's a pretty small state, but this is, I mean, it's pretty competitive. I would say Massachusetts is probably behind Connecticut as far as, like, talent level. And they have a very good uh, representation as far as their uh, prep schools as well. They have a lot of good, you know, private prep schools that are top end in the country. So, if they don't make, listen, there's a lot of good talent in Massachusetts. They don't make it to a prep school, then they're probably going to be playing in their in their their hometown, and you, you see a lot of good programs like BC High, you know, that has some guys that that are that are that could possibly play for a prep school, but they chose to stay home because they want to get as many minutes as possible because it does help, you know, them to be recruited in the next level, as far as like colleges and stuff. So. But yeah, to, to circle back, um, yeah, Newton North was able to win a defensive struggle, forty-four to forty-three. They move on to the round eight, round of eight. As far as like the 
bottom half of that bracket, you have Notre, uh, excuse me, Needham uh, playing Bro- against Brockton. They won fifty six to forty nine, and believe me, that's a, a Brockton team that's pretty respected around the state. One of the better programs in the state, as far as like football and basketball. They had a down year this year, but they still made it pretty far as far as like being a Sweet 16 team. They end up losing 56 to 59 against a very up and coming Needham program, which they move on to the round of eight. Now, in the bottom half of the other side of the bracket, the bottom side of the bracket, you have Andover, which has had, we all know Andover's had a strong year this year. They've been pretty much the top five all year long. They've only lost a handful, if not only a couple games this year. They have a 20-win season. They won 57-44 against Winchester in a defensive struggle. They're, they're probably one of the better defensive teams in the in the, the entire state, led by Aiden Kamen and Logan Satlow. And then the bottom half of this bracket, Wuchusset uh, Regional, which is pretty much up, you know, over in the Berkshires area, which is out west, probably more of the northern western part of the state, they play against uh, Taunton, which is more in the South Shore. They beat them sixty-two to fifty-one, which they've had a pretty strong year and they've been tested. They had a tough schedule, so they're a little bit of, like kind of like a lot of these western teams are pretty much under the radar. I think the stronger teams. In the state are more in the North Shore and the South Shore, but they've been under radar as being one of the better teams out West as they were able to beat Taunton, which Taunton, we all know, has been pretty much been in the top 10 most of the year as one of the top teams in the South Shore as they end losing that one, 62 to 51. So you have Andover and Wachusett's regional playing in the Elite Eight, and then you have Newton North facing Needham on the on the top half of the bracket playing the round of eight. So the round of eight, you have BC High versus Central Catholic. Then you have Springfield Central versus CM. Then you have Newton North against Needham. And then you have Andover against Wuchasset. Let's give you the results for that. So to start out, BC High, they beat Central Catholic 75 to 62. Then they're again led by Mike Lungney and Greg Cooper as they've been dominant all year long as they continue to be dominant. Central Catholic has a very good squad as well, but not enough against BC High. Now in the bottom half of the round of eight, you have Springfield Central versus CM. Springfield Central gets the victory, 67-59 against a scrappy CM team that you know, they pretty much were under the radar. I wouldn't say they're under the radar. They are pretty much a respectable program. And, and pretty much outside of Boston, the Boston area, West Roxbury. Very respectable. Usually pretty good in football. Usually pretty good in basketball. Known for their sports. Had a down year this year. Kind of like Brockton. Had a down year, but, you know, when it... This is how it is with, you know, certain programs. Like, you have East Catholic with Connecticut, Windsor with Connecticut. When you're a respectable program and you have good athletes at your school, 
Sometimes they play down a competition. They may not be as deep as other teams uh, in previous years, but they know what time it is. They know it's tournament time. They know that we can pretty much play with anyone if we play our best at that time of year. And they did that. They they were able to, to make it as the top eight teams in the entire Division One Division One playoffs. I mean, that's pretty strong, pretty strong end to your season. Even though you're pretty much what they only had, they had like they had a pretty uh, abysmal season. They were ranked 21 in this in this uh, tournament, and they were able to pretty much compete against a very good Central team. That has played against a very good. I wouldn't say they had the best competition, but they've had a very good non-conference schedule. They played against a lot of good teams outside of their conference. To compete against them is a pretty strong feat. They almost won, but Springfield Central ended up wrapping that one up. And just for and and then and just to look back with CM, the Catholic Mora, they beat Franklin. Which Franklin only lost what two two or three games this year, so I mean just a just a great great uh, run for them, uh, definitely respectable run. But anyway, as far as like the final four goes, BC High will face off against Springfield Central on that side of the bracket. Now we head to the other side of the round of eight. You have Newton North playing against uh, Needham. Newton North gets the victory, sixty six to fifty five against Needham. Huge victory for Newton North. Um, just a team that has been, you know, had a lot of cancellations due to COVID. They only played 17 games this year. Uh, they have a 14 and 14 and three record, I believe. Just want to double check that. It is unusual. They played definitely a, a low amount of games compared to everyone else. But uh. Just double check those rankings. Yeah, they only played 17 games. Only, but they only lost three. 14, 14 and three on the year. So very strong showing, I must say, for Newton North to to beat a pretty good Needham team. Let's shut them down. Play good defense. And they won, 66-55. Then you have the bottom half. You have Andover versus Uchesset Regional. 75-36 was the score, and Andover got the victory. So they move on to the Final Four to face off against Newton North. So those games will be played tomorrow. March 16th, both both at 7 p.m. BC High and Springfield Central will play at Worcester State at 7.15. Newton North and Andover will play in Woburn High School. Again, uh, 7 p.m. tomorrow night. Should be good, man. I think... You're going to see a very good matchup against BC High and Springfield Central. Both of those teams are very athletic, got good size. That should be a very good matchup. Same thing with New North and Andover. They more depend on their defense, Andover especially. 
one of the better defensive teams out there. And in New North, they got some good size as well to match up with Andover. So it should be a fun matchup for both games. Again, we'll, uh, in the next part, we will have the results for that. We'll pretty much, we'll, by that time, by the next part, we should have the results of the Final Four and the state championship for Mass. All right, to wrap things up, We'll take a look at um, Division Two. The final four division for Division Two. You got Malden Catholic versus Situate, and I have a key matchup to preview this game. I have Tony Felder Jr. versus Keegan Sullivan. Keegan Sullivan plays for Situate. Tony Felder Jr. plays for Malden Catholic, and then the other side. Of the final four, you have Norwood versus Burlington. Burlington has been pretty good this year. They beat St. Mary's in non-conference game. And then Norwood was able to upset Mansfield. That's why Norwood is in this game. I expected Mansfield to win that game to beat Norwood, but Norwood ended up beating uh, Mansfield 57-51. to And Norwood is led by Sharpshore Noah Budat. Budet. And Burlington is led by Eric Sakaya. But again, they all they were able to really been good. Both of those teams got good records. Norwood has only lost I believe only lost three games. Twenty and three on the year. And then Yeah, just and then Burlington's been good as well. They've only they also have a I believe a 21 season as well. So should be fun, man, with those four teams. And then Division Three, uh, as far as the Final Four for Division Three, you have St. Mary's versus Norton, which St. Mary's is up north in the North Shore in Lynn, Mass. And you have Norton is in Norton, Massachusetts in the South Shore. Watertown versus Tech Boston. Tech Boston is in Boston. Which I do believe is in Dorchester area, Dorchester, Mass. And then you have Watertown, which is in Watertown, Mass, which is, you know, a suburb outside of Boston. And then Randolph, they moved, they made it to D4. They made it to the D4 final. So Randolph is one of the top, I would say, one of the better, most athletic teams in the state. They're one of the top ranked teams out there in the state. They, they moved, made it to their final four in D4. So they most likely are pretty much the favorite to win it. They're the number one seed in that entire division. So they're pretty much the favorite to win it all. So that they're expected to be where they're at. All right, so pretty much an hour in, almost one hour, 20 minutes in. And, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a long show as just me just by myself Believe me, I would love to get some co-hosts in here. Um, if anyone's interested, like I said, my email, content at yahoo.com. If you want to co-host or guest, I'm always looking for guests. I'm always open to guests. Um, just hit me up. I've had guests in the past, and they've been pretty successful shows. Um, obviously, you might know episode 16, I had... Um, I had um, I had a, a overseas player be in that episode, and then I had 
I had a, a guy that had a podcast. He had, he had his own podcast the previous episode. Those were like pretty much like early on my you know podcasting journey. I had those two guests, and then I had a another guest. I believe it was like in the episode thirty or whatever, thirty three or whatever, and we talked about you know all star game festivities and stuff and all star games. So yeah, definitely can talk about a lot of different things. Basketball is always ongoing, especially in the off season. There's always things to talk about. So yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested in being a guest, if you are in the local, local Massachusetts or in the New England region area, uh, contact me at Rimsonets Content at yahoo.com if you're interested in being a guest and once again i'll spell it out r-i-m-s double n-e-t-s content at yahoo.com all right so we're gonna quickly end the show with um local version of the bracketology you have a few teams locally that made the tournament. You have Bryant out of the Northeast Conference. You have UConn out of the Big East. They made it. You have Providence out of the Big East. They made it. You have Vermont out of the American East. They made it. And then you have Yale. They made it as well. So that's five teams in the New England region. Five colleges in in the New England region that were able to make the tournament. So let's quickly take a look at their journey quickly. Because <laughs> this is definitely going on long enough, this episode. Because I normally like to keep it within an hour. It's just myself. It's very tough to, to go on as long as that for, just by myself. But, um... Plus, I want to enjoy the end of this game if I can. I need some water. I'm, I'm just very thirsty. But um, that's what happens when you're talking for almost an hour. But uh, let me see. Look at my notes. Bear with me, guys. So, yeah, as far as, like, I got into championship week a little in the last segment. Um, so, I don't really need to really go on about that. All I know is that we'll take a look at the cha- how they won their championships. As far as Vermont goes, they they be- they beat UMBC in their championship. As far as the American East, and they dominated in that. It was really not close at all in any of the games. This is why they were ranked. Excuse me, they were ranked the higher seed at thirteen by the committee because. They've had a good season. They've had 28 wins on the year, five losses. Very good season for them. So you have Bryant. They uh they had a pretty decent season, 21 and 9. 
in the Northeast Conference. We all know how good he uh, Peter Kiss did. We talked about that in the last segment, how he had a pretty much a show out there, you know, showing off and stuff, and people didn't like it. But it should be interesting. They're gonna we're gonna see who they're gonna face. They're playing the first four tomorrow. Yeah, Providence. They're twenty five and twenty five and four, I believe. Yeah, twenty five and four. 25 and 5, sorry. They end up losing to Creighton in the semifinals of the Big East champion uh Big East tournament. It's like they didn't show up in that game. I we kind of talked about that in the last segment. They have Yale, they played against Princeton. We did not talk about that. They were able to win that uh 66-64 and they beat Penn, which I was Talking about that in the last segment, and yeah, they beat Penn, and then they end up beating Princeton for the um, Ivy League championship. So yeah, here we are. Let's take a look at the matchups, shall we? All right, so Bryant, they're going to be playing the first four tomorrow. They are the 16th seed. They get they got no respect at all by the committee. They which they don't play in a very their conference is not a tough conference. Let's be real, their their conference is not that tough. So, and they they didn't do well in the non conference. Um, they played against some good teams in non conference. They played Providence. They played a couple of other good teams. And let me just take a look at that schedule real quick for them. So, yeah, I'm just take a look at their non-conference schedule. And this, I don't get it. I just trying to figure out where that schedule is, and it's not where I want it to be. Yeah, they played against Clemson, ACC foe. They played against URI. They played against all the all the Rhode Island teams, Rhode Island colleges. They they lost by twenty to uh, URI. They lost by tw over twenty to Clemson, ninety three to seventy. I feel like the only impressive game in non conference, they beat Brown, which Brown had a like outside shot of winning the Ivy League. Yeah, yeah, they just they didn't really do that well in non-conference. That's probably why they did not get a high seed compared to a lot of those, these other mid majors. So Bryant, yeah, they will be playing um, first four game against Wright State, which is the winner of the Horizon League. Top matchup is Peter Kiss, which we all know against Tanner Holden. Tanner Holden's one of their top players for Wright State. Wright State also has a very good big man, Grant Brazell, as well. I would say Brian's size, they're a little bit more bigger as far as, like, you know, weight class goes. They're more bigger in size than, than, than White State, but I think Wright State's more of an efficient offensive team. Brian's not the best efficient 
off they're not as efficient as far as shooting goes. Wright State's a better they're not a great Wright State's not a great shooting team, but they're more efficient. They're better inside play, led by Grant Bazell. And Bryan is a good rebounding team, so you could see their guards can rebound well, and they're no, they're known as like more of a defensive minded team. At times, at times they can be a good defensive team, but as you can see, a lot of those results early on in the year they they give a lot of points to some of these higher level teams. So it would be interesting to see how they match up, but I think Wright State might have the upper hand in this one if I had to make a prediction. I just think it will be a close game, but I think. Wright State should win that one. But if Bryant does win, they move on to the second round to play against Arizona. So that won't be... Listen, they won't... If they get by Wright State, they will not be successful against Arizona. I tell you that. Arizona is one of the better teams in the country, as they're the number one seed for a reason. They have elite athletes. They have great size. They're not going to do well in that game. Not at all. So if they do win this... Hey, it'd be nice. It'd be the first time in history that they. I don't think Brian has been in a national NCAA tournament as far as they, their school's history. I think it was their first. I can look it up right now, but I think it was definitely their first in school history. Let me see. Tournament appearances. Brian tournament appearances. Yeah, this is their first because I think Bryant just just um, was in D1 not too long ago. Like it was pretty recent since they entered D1. They were in Division Two and Division Three for a long time. So, so what? A, what? A, that's pretty good, man. Peter Kiss is a huge story, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do against. Wright State, I think Wright State obviously just has the upper hand in that one just just because of they're much more of an efficient offensive team. And I just think Brian just, you know, they they do have, you know, they, they do have good play led by Peter Kiss, but it's going to, it's, it, it should, it should be a close game though, but I think Wright State should win it. And just so you know, Wright State, they beat an ACC team this year. They beat NC State. They beat them. So Bryant wasn't able to do that. Wright State was able to do that. So that's why they have the advantage as well. They're much more better in conference play than, than Bryant. All right, so as far as like UConn, UConn's the fifth seed. They face off against a very good you know, mid-major in New Mexico State as the 12th seed. This game will be on Thursday at 6.50, part of, part of the West region. And, the ag, and also, like, Bryant was a part of the West region as well. So just let you guys know which side of the bracket that it's on. But, yeah, UConn will be facing against New Mexico State. And we all know the history of the uh, New Mexico State. New Mexico State seems like they're in the tournament every year. 
Like they're one of the major major teams in in the entire country, and just historically, they continue to get rack up a lot of tournament appearances. Because I think the WAC is just WAC is never really like I don't know. They're just the, this is the weak conference. They played a weak conference, but they they're respected. They're respected in that conference, and they and they continue to rack up tournament appearances every single year in that conference. So this is that's why they seem like they're in it every year because they play in a weaker conference compared to everyone else. And but you gotta love New Mexico State because of their front line. They're one of the bigger front lines out there. Um, they got two guys that are pretty big, pretty large, especially uh, McNair. He stands at 6'10", 277. <laughs> He's a load. And then and they have uh they have McCants as well. He's a 6'7", 230-pound power forward. So they're pretty big up front. So, you know, the thing is with UConn, they like to go to a Sunoco inside. And I think they have McNair to really kind of solidify that, that inside presence of UConn. And then also McCants, he could probably guard Martin at times. Or any of those, you know, other guards. They, listen, New Mexico State, they play about, you know, 10 guys. This, I mean, you look at the minutes, they pretty it's pretty much evenly disportioned. Uh, 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 evenly proportioned from the bench players, which I looked at their starters, their starters average about 20, 20, 20 to 25 minutes, and then their bench players average around the same thing. So you're going to see a lot of – they're going to try to use their depth to wear you down. So it's going to be a tough game because I just think New Mexico State is just a tough defensive team. So UConn is not a, the most offensively efficient team. I mean, believe it or not, they have a few guys that can shoot. But I wouldn't say they're like sharpshooters or anything by any means. They're not known for their scoring. Their best scorer is R.J. Cole, but he's not. He's a volume shooter. He doesn't shoot very efficiently. Tyrese Martin might be the most, which I, I mean, I mentioned in the last pod. He's probably their most, more talented offensive player. He's their better three-point shooter. He shoots well over 40% from three. But I'm pretty sure he doesn't take a ton of them. So he does he does a lot of different things, you know, out there besides shoot the ball. He rebounds well and he does he does a lot for their team. So yeah, so I would have to say that um, UConn. I expect UConn to probably win this game, but it would be close. It will be close, but they'll win. I have, a, I have a score, 66-62. It will be close, but I think I think UConn will win that game. They'll move on to the um, second round. Now you have Vermont. They play on Thursday. They face off against a pretty tough SEC foe, uh, Arkansas Razorbacks, which is a, a pretty much a, a 4 versus 13 matchup. But again, it's a tough draw, but it's not impossible. I think Vermont 
is one of the best major teams out there. As they've had a very successful season. The thing they have to worry about is that their de- uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks' athleticism and defense. They have one of the better athletes out there, and they're, and they're very good defensively. But they can struggle offensively. They, they've had some droughts, and they, and they can struggle. This is the reason why they lost to Texas A&M a couple, couple days ago in the SEC, SEC tournament is because they struggle scoring. I'm not going to say Vermont is a defensive juggernaut. They're not. I think they're more of an offensive team. So I think if Vermont can stay solid, not turn the ball over, they have a chance to win this game. I think they have a chance to upset Arkansas. You know why? Because I think Arkansas may not be the score enough to be with, to compete with Vermont. Vermont is a very efficient offensive team, and they've been – that way all year long, and they and they've shown it against pretty, uh, pretty good competition in non-conference games. They weren't able to win those non-conference games, but they've competed in those non-conference games, and they almost beat Maryland, which is a very good Big Ten team. So, I I like Vermont a lot in this game. I think Vermont has a has a really good shot. They have a good inside play with uh, inside presence with Ryan Davis. They have a good one on one score in Ben Shungru. They they definitely have some pieces. Their bench is not too bad at, at all, too. Figuerello is pretty good. Isaiah Powell's one of the better rebounders. He's one of their more like gritty guys that kind of you know hustles and gets 50-50 balls for them. They have some shooters on uh, that, that that can light it up as well. That shoot over 40 percent. This is a good Vermont team. So I mean, if the Hogs. Can't get turnovers and can't get out on you know can't get out in transition. And Vermont you know is is efficient and forces uh, Arkansas to score in the half court. I think that would be the key. I mean, I obviously think Vermont might need to keep the possessions down because they don't want to get into a track meet with Arkansas with their athleticism. They don't want to play a fast up tempo game with Arkansas. They're gonna want to play a half court game. You know, cut down on, keep the turnovers down, and limit their mistakes. They have a chance to win this one, and that's my prediction. I think Vermont will win in a more of like a low, a uh, high sixties. Because it, it, listen, Vermont will make mistakes, but I think Vermont shoots well enough to be able to counter those mistakes. But it, it, if they keep the turnovers down, which I think they will. Because they're a well-coached, experienced team, that might be enough to get the win. So I, I, I have Vermont winning in an upset. Which I mean, believe me, there might be some upsets. Which I think I have another upset special after this one. But I have Vermont winning Arkansas in this one. Yeah, I have the my score is seventy-six seventy, but I'm gonna probably lower it to probably, you know. 7068. It'll be a close one. I think it'll be maybe a buzzer beater or something. Something crazy. Uh, and then you have Yale. They face off against Purdue. They don't got a chance against Purdue. <laughs> I'm going to just not even really even go at it because just think about the size level of Purdue. Trevon Williams is a load, uh, Zach Eady is a load. Then you have a top five player in Jaden Ivey. 
There's no way. I mean, Yale has Azar Swain, but there's just no way that Yale has enough offense to keep up with Purdue. And then they won't be able to really survive to even guard those two big men inside in, in Williams and uh, Edie. It's not going to be close. Purdue will win, and they'll blow them out. Nine, my prediction is 92-54. to 54. All right, so to end it, I have to wrap the episode up. I have number four Providence facing off. Uh, number four Providence will be facing off against uh, 13 seed South Dakota State. South Dakota State is a very interesting team, man. And we all know that Providence had a bad loss against Creighton, so they're kind of reeling coming into this one. Um, they might overlook them because they're South Dakota State. But, I mean, listen, I, I think Ed Cooley's going to have these guys ready to play. But South Dakota State is a team that can do a lot. They, they're they 30-4 and four on the year. I mean, they're just one of the better mid-major teams out there. And they're one of the better offensive teams out there. Very efficient offensive team. They have multiple guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot. Can break down a defense, move the ball well. That's going to be the difference in the game because I think Providence can, their offense can can have droughts. They're definitely capable of having droughts, and if they have a drought against this team, they're going to fall behind. So I have South Dakota State getting the upset against Providence. Just, just I just think it's just a bad matchup for them. I just think. Offensively, South Dakota State can really give Providence a lot of problems. Even though Providence defensively and their toughness and heart and grit could keep them in this game, but I think South Dakota State will just be too much for them on the offensive side of the ball against their defense. So I have South Dakota State winning this 84-72. to 72. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. I know it's a long show, well over an hour and a half. But this is what I'm probably the what I'm gonna have to do pretty much on every episode. Just keep it to one episode, just so you're not waiting for segments and stuff like that. And just we're just this is how it's gonna be. And obviously, I'm gonna try to connect it as much as possible. I'm pretty sure no one doesn't want to listen to an hour and forty minute podcast. But I mean, believe me, I try to do everything I could to condense it. But it's just a lot of content. But uh. Once again, this is your host, Rob Morris. And listen to another episode of Rims and Nets Podcast. I'm out. Peace.